This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Manny Bazunas. Today, real estate. Wow, how things have changed and not changed in some ways. We'll check in with John Carlson of 2% Realty for an update. And good oral health. During COVID, dental offices closed down. They are open again, but do you feel safe being in that close contact? We'll check in with the experts from BC Perio. But first, a few highlights from the week. The virus shut down seniors' long-term care facilities to families and visitors. Absolutely heartbreaking. But we're making progress in reopening. 61 of 681 seniors' facilities have submitted plans to the government for approval to reopen. Any seniors' home that will reopen will do so under the strictest of protocols. The most recent survey of restaurants across Canada suggests the majority of restaurant owners believe it will be a year or more to recover from the pandemic, if they can last that long. Of the nearly 15,000 restaurants in British Columbia, 60% are actually up and running now. Premier Horgan said this week BC is making good progress in reopening the economy and as important how businesses look at BC for investment. CN Rail just pumped in a $500 million investment and more than two dozen film and television productions are back up and running. Latest real estate figures show June a very hot month with some wild increases in sales across the province. Of particular note, the Fraser Valley continues to be a magnet for families because of its affordability and lifestyle. The Fraser Valley Real Estate Board processed a total of 1,718 sales in June alone, an increase of 113% from May. Kitsilano has been leading the Vancouver market in sales over the last couple of weeks. More than a fifth of the sales in the city were in Kits. Of the 83 homes sold in Vancouver, 19 were in Kitsilano. 11 of the 19 were at least a million dollars, and a number of these sold above their list price. John Carlson, johnnysmartpoint.com. John Carlson of 2% Realty. Uh, John, welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. Let's have a look at some June real estate figures. Uh, From what I've read, through the roof in terms of selling. Well, yeah, depending on what you compare it to, it was definitely uh, June of 2020 was definitely an encouraging month when it comes to real estate sales and statistics. Uh, We had obviously, you know, March and April and May were a little bit bleak with, you know, everything going on. But I find that, you know, and we've talked about this, that, uh, you know, the real estate market in Greater Vancouver, Fraser Valley is, is pretty robust. And I, you know, we all suspected that it was just a matter of time until people started to get more comfortable uh, getting back to business. And the statistics for June show that, you know, that really is the case. I think sellers and buyers have gradually become a little bit more active each month. And so so June numbers uh, are the best we've seen this year. Well, they certainly are good. 1,718 homes sold in the month of June in the Fraser Valley. Chilliwack uh, leading part of the way. Uh, prices also going up. One of the reasons uh, I read in a recent report, John, was that more and more people working out of home, they don't have to do the commute any longer. So they can find something a lot more affordable out in the Fraser Valley and stay there and work. 
Yeah, isn't it interesting how the dynamic can change, you know, and, uh, you know, we're constantly in the real estate market and other areas of life are just constantly in change. And COVID was a big was a big hit to, to things. But I do see people changing lifestyles or making different housing decisions based on based on that. But when it comes to, to, to statistics, you know, that it's really the details. You want to study the details. We have had a very strong rebound for June. Uh, I, my, I think my understanding was about 17 or 18% increase in sales in Greater Vancouver over June of last year. But we have to remember that, that June of last year was a month that was, that was a, a little bit bleak as well. We were in a downturn. And when you look at the June 2020 sales, we're still about 22% below the 10-year average. So we're not in a real estate boom by any means. Uh, but when you consider that the listing inventories are also lower than they have been, it, it, it's adding up to a, a pretty active market where if, if you're someone looking to sell your house and make a move you know, anywhere, that you can actually rely on a relatively healthy real estate market to provide qualified buyers who are looking to buy your property depending on what segment you're in. John Carlson, 2% Realty, johnnysmartpoint.com, or you can call John directly, 604-612-0080, johnnysmartpoint.com, John Carlson, 2% Realty. Uh, John, one statistic I found interesting, uh, I don't know how much uh, work you do in the Kitsilano area, but Kitsilano was leading the Vancouver market in sales over the last two weeks, more than a fifth of the sales in the city were in Kits. Of the 83 homes sold in the city, 19 were in Kitsilano. 11 of the 19 were at least a million dollars, and a number of these sold over list price. Are you seeing homes in the areas that you primarily work selling over list? Not as a general rule, but it it can happen. I've had a couple of listings in the last month or so that have had multiple offers. Generally, when a property sells over list price, you can be pretty sure there was more than one offer because buyers don't generally offer more than list price unless they're pushed to do that. Um, so I've had a couple of those, but you know it's interesting. Um, even on the properties that I've had that have received multiple offers, um, most of those offers are at or below list price. The odd one may come a little bit over it. And um, one thing I'm telling my potential clients when we meet and we you know we discuss pricing and a strategy of hitting the market, one thing I'm telling them is. This is not like two or three years ago where if you price your home low, you can depend on the forces of the market to push it up and see where it goes. Uh, you know, a few years ago, that was probably the best strategy. You put a low price on a house, you hope for a whole bunch of offers, you get them, and the prices maybe get pushed up higher than they would have been had you set that price high initially. What I see in the market right now is a more price-sensitive market, um, and I don't think usually, in most cases, it's the right strategy to depend on the market pushing the price up. I think it's usually a better strategy to price a home reasonably, but for all that it's worth. And if you get multiple offers on top of that, you know, hey, that's good news for you. Um, But yeah, some homes are selling over list price. I I know darn well, uh, because I've had clients who have sold and now looking to buy in some segments, that some of these affordable segments, affordable detached houses in, in some segments, the inventory is not that strong. And uh, sellers are, are doing pretty well in some of these. Yeah, I guess it really boils down to supply and demand. Unless the inventories come up, uh, those prices will stay up, and it's, uh, it's going to be incumbent on the buyer to just look a little harder. You raise an excellent point, I think, when you suggest that three years ago you could 
price your home uh, well below possibly the market value uh, to encourage a, a bidding war and thus boosting the price above what you would have listed otherwise. But that no longer is the case, at least for now. You were chatting, or we were chatting, uh, just before we came on this afternoon, uh, John, about a report that you were looking at that uh, you didn't quite agree with, that this particular real estate market uh, appears to be immune to the pandemic. I, I'm not sure about that, and neither are you. Well, there, it's, and this is, these are the things I get asked about um, among the most common things I'm getting asked about. I think a lot of people are very interested in the real estate, local real estate market, and they're hearing conflicting information. Uh, I was watching the news the other night, and uh, I think the the gist of the story was that the greater Vancouver real estate market seemed to be immune from covid because prices were holding and if not rising in some areas. Uh, and when I heard that, I thought, you know, you know, that's interesting. And it is true that prices have remained relatively stable, March, April, May, June, um, in all the segments with condos maybe being the only one that's maybe dropped a little bit. But, you know, I think people need to realize that it takes time for changes in the market to trickle down into, uh, you know, a change in pricing. Uh, for instance, statistically, uh, a, a buyer's market where, let's say, there are more buyers or, or more sellers than buyers and buyers have the advantage. Statistically, it takes about six solid months of buyer market territory before prices start to drop. And I think that's because sellers don't just decide to put a lower price on their property because the headlines say the market's lower. Generally, sellers will still try to get everything they can. And then reluctantly over time, if the dynamic is not there for them to get their price, they will start dropping the prices. So it takes some time for things to ratchet out. And uh, to people who say that our market is immune, I think to some degree we're very resilient to changes. We're a very healthy market. But it's much too early to suggest that we're immune to the COVID. Um, I don't think that we've really seen the full impact of what may be coming. Um, it's hard to say exactly. I mean, are we going to have a second wave? Um, are the banks going to get tighter on lending? Uh, are the, is the job market going to stabilize or is it going to really get tough? Uh, so it's a little bit too early, but I would suggest to people that we still need to wait and see what's going to happen long-term in this market. I am optimistic that we're very resilient. Uh, interest rates are still low. Buyers have been frustrated and maybe put on the sidelines for a while, and now they're jumping back into the market. But it's going to take a little bit more time. I would say at least three to six months before we start to get the real picture of what uh, the COVID's going to do. One encouraging note out of Deloitte last week, I was looking at, uh, John, that if any province in Canada is going to rebound quicker than others, it will be British Columbia. So that certainly is a positive note from uh, Deloitte. John Carlson, 2% Realty, johnnysmartpoint.com, or call John directly, 604-612-0080, johnnysmartpoint.com. The CMHC forecasted a pretty horrific drop in prices. We chatted about this a couple of weeks ago when you were on. John, I'm not sure what to make of this CMHC forecast. Can you give us some insight from a professional in the field? Absolutely. CMHC has, uh, you know, in my mind, has been a very uh, trusted and uh, worthy source of information and statistics for as long as I've been a realtor. Uh, They monitor every aspect of the real estate industry and the financial industry, and I remember, what was it, a month, a month and a half ago, they came out with a, a report suggesting that real estate values in Canada may drop, what, 18% or something over the next year or two. Well, I mean, that's a Canadian statistic. Um, and I think a lot of people in this area understand that our real estate market tends to be a lot more robust than, say, 
the market in Regina or Winnipeg or these sorts of places. So, um, you know, I took that with a grain of salt to some degree, but I think it does underline the fact that, um, you know, knowledgeable people who keep track of these things are looking at our financial picture and, you know, coming to the conclusion that there might not be as many willing and able buyers in these price ranges that we've come to expect in the coming days than we've seen now. So I still think that CMHC, um, you know, is probably correct that there's a dampening effect happening in the market. We haven't seen the full effect of that yet. And there are so many unknown factors about, you know, how things might play out over the next three to six months that uh, I'm not in the business of making any predictions in terms of percentages or numbers or ups or downs. But I do think the market will stay pretty active uh, throughout this summer because interest rates are low and people have 90-day rate guarantees and they can still buy under the old rules of the lenders as opposed to the new rules, which will take effect soon for some of these buyers. So uh, CMHC, I listen to them. I trust them. On this one, I'm hoping they're not right. Um, And I think there's a lot of evidence right now to suggest that our real estate market will continue to be strong. But like everybody else, I'm looking, wondering what the next few months will bring. And I'll be on this program roughly every two weeks for the rest of the year, and we can talk about how things progress. Yeah, we'll see if uh, all of our crystal balls are any clearer than everybody else's. Uh, We're just so swamped with contradictory information, much of it coming from modelers, those who model the markets. And I'm not quite sure what to make of it when we get contradictory reports. John Carlson, one of the most respected real estate agents in the Lower Mainland. John Carlson, 2% Realty. Joining us uh, this week on Vancouver Consumer, I'm Manny Bazunas. How do you reach John? JohnnySmartPoint.com or call John directly, 604-612-0080. Let's talk about uh, 2% Realty, John. Uh, How are things going uh, with your practice? I know uh, when we talk about commissions, they're a lot less when you deal with 2% Realty and and John Carlson. We talked about this the last time uh, we were on together, and that's, am I getting my bucks worth when it comes to marketing if I choose a John Carlson? Yeah, great question. Thank you. Um, You know, there are different commission models out there. There's no standard. Uh, But I tend to save people money compared to the vast majority of my competition uh, by charging a a 2% commission uh, straight across the board. So yeah, I do save some people money. And my business has been quite good. Like uh, other agents, I suppose, in the month of June, things started to really, uh, you know, take off for me. And I have uh, been fortunate enough to be in the business long enough to have a good steady stream of clients. and, and, And things have been good. But I do find that there are some challenges. I find, uh, for instance, getting financing approvals getting a little bit tougher than it used to be. Uh, you know, the, the lenders and, and mortgage brokers are following guidelines now that really, really, uh, you know, take a very close look at income and service ratios, debt ratios. Uh, they're really looking at things very carefully. So financing is getting a little bit harder to obtain for a lot of people. Uh, it's taking a little bit longer. Uh, we also have some challenges in the strata industry with insurance and these sorts of things. So there's always challenges in the industry, but really I think the good news story uh, that's out there in the press is that June indicates that our our market has blossomed to some degree. It's a little bit of a late spring, but the spring has blossomed, the inventory is hitting, and the good listings are selling, and I'm anticipating that to carry on uh, throughout the summer. Well, we're looking forward to your updates every couple of weeks on Vancouver Consumer. John Carlson, 2% Realty. Open houses, uh, John, are really sort of a relic, a quaint relic of the past. They've taken on a whole new look. New rules out just this week, John, concerning open houses. Uh, can you yeah. fill us in a little bit on some of those new rules? 
This is a bit of a hot topic, actually, uh, in the real estate community, as you can imagine. Um, open houses in Greater Vancouver and the Fraser Valley have, have never been banned. My understanding is that, um, you know, that's an agreement between a home seller and an agent, and the Real Estate Council and Board have no authority to, to ban that. However, uh, open houses were very strongly discouraged. And if I think back, the last open house that I did would have been early March. And I personally don't have any plans of doing open houses in the near future, uh, other than virtual open houses and the 3D tours and that sort of thing. But the Real Estate Council, the Real Estate Board, has issued some guidelines in anticipation that agents may start holding open houses again. And, um, you know, I, there are a lot of different opinions out there. I'm parts of uh, real estate chat rooms and all that sort of stuff, of course. And some people are still dead set against uh, the open house. They think it might be a little bit too early to open the door to strangers. And, you know, I can identify with that. Um, one silver lining of, you know, of the COVID crisis in real estate is that it seemed, it seems like for the last couple of months, a lot of the looky-loos have been kind of weeded out. And, you know, I think there should be an effort on the part of real estate professionals and advising their sellers that, hey, we should probably keep unnecessary traffic to a minimum, just like, you know, in every other industry. And, you know, I found that, um, you know, again, silver lining was you might not get 50 people come through an open house or have uh, 50 showings, but those showings that you do get tend to be qualified people who are working with a professional agent who've got their financing approvals, and they're serious. They're not just kicking tires and running around. Um, and you don't have to maybe go through some of that. So while I agree that, uh, you know, there should be some freedom there for sellers and agents to decide to do open houses, and they can probably be done safely, my personal feeling on it is that it might be a little bit early for that. And um, I don't, at least have not yet done any open houses, and I don't have any planned for the near future. Having said that, the Real Estate Council is basically suggesting that to hold an open house, first of all, we would need to get the consent of our sellers and make sure they have it in writing, that they understand the risks of having strangers come through. Uh, agents should try to pre-screen people. In other words, I've got a 3D tour of my listing, and someone wants to say, hey, take a look at the tour first and make sure you like the house enough to come and see it, and please make sure you know that you're financially approved. Um, masks are something that you know, people are suggesting be worn at open houses and that the six foot or two meter distance uh, between people would be maintained at all times. And then there are sanitary protocols, um, washing down all the light switches and doorknobs and hand railings and things after uh, an open house. But again, for me, uh, you know, I like the idea of having people come through my listings who are accompanied by an agent uh, and who have filled in uh, the COVID questionnaire forms and all those sorts of things rather than opening up to the public. But I definitely see a change happening where uh, some agents and sellers are going to want to open up the doors to open houses. And uh, in my humble opinion, as long as people strictly follow the protocols in place, that's something that uh, that I can see happening. But on the other hand, I do like the idea of uh, knowing who's coming into the house. And so I'm a little bit on the fence on that one at the moment. Well, you've been doing virtual tours and, you know, you've been buying and selling on behalf of clients uh, since the pandemic hit and for 20 years prior to that. So, uh, I, you know, I guess we come to the conclusion, really, that unless a person absolutely positively wants to get in to kick some tires, a virtual tour works. It does. It's a good first step. 
And, and also, we encourage people, qualifying can mean something as simple as saying, hey, drive by the property first. Just this morning, um, you know, I was exchanging text messages with a new client of mine, and she said, hey, here's this new house, and maybe we should take a look at it. And uh, I sent her the information I had. She drove by it and said, oh, you know, it looked great, but we drove by it. We don't like the location. That is perfect, because why should we go through a house and trouble a seller and, uh, you know, put them through any stress of coming into their house when they don't know who we are if it turns out the location's no good. So, again, open houses, you never know who's coming through, and it's good to qualify your people. And, and for me, I've found that the success rate of my listings has not changed. Without doing open houses, we're still getting qualified people through. It's just the system's changed. The, the process has changed a bit. And so I'm kind of wondering, you know, why go back to allowing strangers through a house when we can have a little bit more control and weed out the looky-loos Uh, But again, it remains to be seen how this plays out. John Carlson of 2% Realty joining us on this edition of Vancouver Consumer here at CKNW. I'm Manny Bazunas. How do you reach John? JohnnySmartPoint.com. JohnnySmartPoint.com or directly by phone, 604-612-0080. What is the process with John Carlson? We thought we'd invite a recent client of John's, to uh, comment on the process. Dave, uh, tell us about the process with John Carlson. Uh, the process was fantastic. Uh, uh, it was very smooth, handled efficiently and quickly. And I really enjoyed the, the cutaway of the house. I think that's a great selling feature. Yeah, I have no problem recommending John. We bought a house on the island on Monday put our house here up for sale on Friday, sold it on Saturday. So you can't really get anything smoother than that. I think it would be impossible. Was that weekend a little stressful for you, uh, John, or is that something you deal with? Sold it on a Friday, bought it on a Monday, listed it on a Sunday? I mean, that's 48 hours only. It was uh, a compact period of time. I I wouldn't say it's stressful. This is what I do all the time. But um, I knew it was very important to my clients, Dave and Doris, so uh, thanks very much. Uh, for that uh, testimonial. Uh, but yeah, I mean, these people had a job to do. They wanted to move. And, you know, the nice thing is they had a place that was very saleable in an affordable segment in a development where usually this time of year, there'd probably be five or six listings, but there happened to be none. And this goes back to kind of some of these segments being relatively hot where you have um, a pent-up demand of people who have been sitting on the sidelines and suddenly the rates are low and they j- want to jump in the market and find something to buy. But some of these segments are limited with inventory. So we had that going for us. Uh, in anticipation of that, we put the price up a little higher than it might have been otherwise, and we achieved it. So uh, I think I think they're happy. I'm definitely happy. It was nice that, you know, it's always nice when things fall together nicely. So um, it's great to hear that good testimony. I'd love to repeat it with other people out there if uh, they're thinking of selling. Well, you can get a hold of John and hopefully repeat that uh, easy process, just like Dave did. JohnnySmartPoint.com to reach John Carlson of 2% Realty. JohnnySmartPoint.com or John's direct number, 604-612-0080, All too often, uh, John, I hear the words, well, it'll sell if it's priced right. Well, yeah, we know that. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, you know, when I hear that, I think, yeah, sure, if I lower the price enough, somebody will buy it. But I'm not sure I buy into that particular saying, if it's priced right. Uh, tell me from a professional's point of view, is that an overused statement? Well, it might be. Um, you know, there's, there's definitely truth in it in a, as a general statement. 
Um, but I think what, you know, the reason people go to a professional is not to have a price thrown on a property so the thing sells itself instantly and they leave money on the table. What I think the reason people call a professional is to help them come up with a price where the property will sell and still maximize you know, their investment and maximize their return. And, and, and that is involves getting a good price. And that also sometimes involves um, having people pay a lesser commission than they might have otherwise and keep more money in their pocket. So yeah, pricing is very important. This is a price sensitive market. But I think a professional will be able to help you read the lay of the land enough to know that, hey, maybe this segment might be a little soft because there's tons of inventory that's not selling, but your segment might be rather strong um, and maybe suggest a price that might even be higher than you expect. So pricing is important, but a good agent doesn't rely on price to sell a home. I think a good agent will give good advice in terms of positioning and then read the market and read, uh, you know, the feedback and all the activity and help interpret that for a seller. So a seller is in a good position to make good decisions. Well, I guess from a buyer's point of view, too, when they take a look at what recent assessments are all about, much lower than what the market might be, how do you uh, configure those figures to satisfy both the buyer and the seller? Well, to get a deal together on a purchase and a sale, you have to have two parties that are happy. So um, there's nothing new there. Um, In order to achieve a sale, you have to have at least one buyer who is willing to put their money down and sees it as a good investment. Uh, And that's part of what goes into, uh, you know, into pricing and doing an evaluation. I tell people, you don't have to sell this property to everybody. You only have to sell it to one person. No, No house, no condo, no townhouse or acreage will appeal to everybody in the segment. So we need to lead with our strengths. Uh, on MLS and show our, showcase our strengths to identify the correct people. But at some point, you know, those people will have to make a value judgment. They'll see the property, they'll compare it to other things they've seen in the past or that are available now. And, you know, just like if we're buying a car or a pair of shoes, we we take a look at the product and we say, you know, does this suit me? And then the second part is, is it a good enough value to make me pull the trigger now? So, um, again, to get a sale done, you have to have somebody who is willing to put their money down and sign on the line. Uh, and the, the, the trick, I think the key um, in terms of pricing and maximizing a sale is to know sort of where those boundaries are, where you can be successful. And then there obviously at any property will come a price where you probably won't be successful. So maximizing it really is the key. Well, I guess buyers always want to come in low and sellers always come in high and somewhere in the middle. Everybody walks away a winner. John Carlson, 2% Realty, johnnysmartpoint.com. John's direct phone number, 604 604- Six one two zero zero eight zero. You're listening to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Manny Bazunas, John Carlson of Two Percent Realty. John, one of the things that uh, the pandemic has, I guess, uh, put a lot of questions in people's minds is if I'm going to buy a house, how do I get a home inspector out there to actually kick the tires for me? No one in their right mind, unless they're going to tear the joint down, and even then, uh, would buy a piece of property without a home inspection. How does John Carlson at 2% uh, Realty uh, make that happen for a potential buyer? Well, I don't know that I make anything happen in that regard, but I can tell you I've got a house inspection going on right now. Uh, after this program, I'll be heading out to Langley to with my clients to see how that went. Um, but with home inspectors, it's, it's not that difficult. Generally, a home inspector would like to have a house vacant. They don't want any people home. Uh, they want things opened up and accessible so they you know, don't have to you know, touch too much or search around. But home inspections are going on pretty much as they were before. 
And I definitely recommend a house inspection in pretty much every case because you just don't know what you don't know about a property. And a good inspector really is really is your ally. So um, inspections are going on. I don't recommend that people buy without inspections. Maybe special circumstances could be different. Uh, but inspections are going on, and you definitely want a professional to take a look at everything from electrical, plumbing, insulation, looking for mold or moisture damages, cracks, leaks. I mean, the full gamut, you want to make sure that what you're buying, I mean, it's a big investment. You want to make sure you're getting what you pay for. And I've had no trouble uh, having inspections done during this COVID crisis, but inspectors do want to be left alone in a vacant house to do their job. When we go back for the review, it will be me and my two clients. It won't be five or six kids running around the house looking we'll be we'll have our masks on we'll have our you know our hand sanitizer and we'll be very careful uh, social distancing from the inspector but business as usual when it comes to house inspections you probably want to get one if you're buying a house and john can help you arrange for all that if you're interested in buying a home or selling a home we suggest john carlson two percent realty johnnysmartpoint.com johnnysmartpoint.com or john's direct number 604-612-0080 we look forward to a return visit in a couple of weeks from john carlson of two percent realty you are listening to vancouver consumer on cknw i'm manny bazunas back in a moment welcome back to vancouver consumer on cknw i'm manny bazunas along with andrew ferrera andrew is the executive producer of vancouver consumer are you a ride hailing type of person andrew no uh no no not really uh i am if 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 you've if you've listened to uh to vancouver consumer you'll know that i am nothing if not one of public transit's biggest chills uh, on the planet but it's weird to me now that you know time has passed uh and the heyday of will we we get ride sharing uh it's it's gone we're no longer you know the largest metropolitan area in north america without ride hailing and you know vancouver wore that dubious honor for quite a long time uh for a city that wanted to brand itself as you know they wanted to be a fun place to be with things to do it was kind of hard to do that if it was hard to get around um but now that we've entered phase three of the economic restart, now that things are starting to finally open up a, a, a wee tiny bit uh, as we come out of the pandemic, uh, Lyft has finally, after what feels like eons, uh, expanded out past Langley uh, in terms of their service area. Now, if you'll cast your mind back to when we first got uh, Lyft, you might remember the people mocking them for essentially only having service from uh, the airport to about half of the city of Vancouver proper. Uh, you know, and they identified that as their core region, which in a way it was. It was the airport and downtown and the Broadway corridor, really. Uh, which is what they serviced. But now they go as far east as the border between kind of Langley Township and Abbotsford. Um, Uber, on the other hand, still goes out to Abbotsford. So if you're looking for a ride in and out of the valley, Uber is still your bet there. But where Lyft has them beat um, is a service that goes further north. Uh, For instance, Pitt Meadows is somewhat eh, on the edge of Uber's area, but Lyft will cover Pitt Meadows uh, no problem. And as well, uh, these are the two that I found the most interesting. Uh, Lyft will go to Lions Bay uh, on the Sea to Sky Highway and Bowen Island. So if you live on Bowen Island, there's probably a couple of Lyft drivers on Bowen Island and they've got a monopoly on the island so far in terms of ride sharing. Uh, Uber doesn't go uh, past Horseshoe Bay and certainly doesn't go over to Bowen Island. Uh, so it's interesting that you know, it's, it's been quite a long time that we now have, you know, more than a dozen 
uh, ride-hailing uh, companies operating in BC now. The, the the waiting period for maybe we'll have something and all of the controversy and discussion and yelling uh, that came with it has somewhat evaporated from the public conscience. And uh, now it's just kind of normal. What I'd like to see, the more the merrier, is to get prices down. And, you know, you only get that when there's strong competition. Exactly. You know, if you have different services all vying for the exact same base, how are you going to compete? you got to keep your prices down somehow. Uh, you know, that being said, Uber and Lyft are, you know, by far and large, the two big ones. Uh, if you're one of the smaller operators that's operating, you know, on the island or in the interior or northern BC, it's likely that you probably won't have to compete much because Uber and Lyft don't really have an appetite for those smaller communities. Uh, do I think that eventually that they will be uh, greenlit to run there? Probably. Um, but for the time being, it's still a lot of like this string of, you know, 25 to 30 company, almost pseudo taxi companies that are operating services, you know, throughout the interior and the caribou and the north and the island. So for the time being, you know, I wouldn't get your hopes up, perhaps if you live, you know, in your Kamloops or Prince George's or Kelowna's like your bigger interior cities, uh, you may be getting that. But outside of that, if you want to experience the joys of getting in a stranger's car and, and uh, driving somewhere, wearing a mask, please wear a mask, wear a mask, wear a mask. <laughs> Uh, the new Uber and Lyft are your best bets here in the Lower And, of course, making sure, just like an airline seat, that everything is sanitized before you get in. Andrew, thank you so much. Andrew Ferrara, our executive producer here at Vancouver Consumer. We'll get another update from Andrew in the next hour. I'm Manny Bazunas. You are listening to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. Back in a moment. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.